Hey, what's up everybody? I'm Joel Madden and this is Artist Friendly. On this episode, I'm talking to songwriter, artist, and the lead singer of Incubus, Brandon Boyd. The band is celebrating the anniversary and the re-record of their multi-platinum album, Morning View. We'll get into that and lots of other things. Let's go. I have this theory about 90s alternative rock. Mm, hit me with it. Yeah. But in the, in the world of like rock and roll in the 90s, that was born in the 90s and, yeah. and all those miles that you've earned, you earned on the road, mm -hmm. all those shows you did from zero to, to stadiums, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think we're now living in a time where plenty of bands are forming every day and there will always be, I think like rock music will always be represented in its kind of organic form and bands will be born, but there's this era of music that will never be again. Mm -hmm. It's just not possible mm -hmm. to recapture that era and yeah. that time. The, the next decade of art telling that story mm -hmm. is gonna be great soundtracks mm. and great stories yeah. and great movies. And this was before information was shared the way it is now and so quick. Yeah. So there was all the aspects of that, whether it was the darker side of it mm -hmm. and then the, the peaks of 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 joy you could feel yeah. if you had success at that time, which yeah. you guys did. That's what our idea of classic rock, mm -hmm. like if you got the chance to see Led Zeppelin, if you mm -hmm. got the chance to see uh, these incredible bands, right? Yeah. To me, it's like this timeless music that you're one of. Think about think about it. Even if it was hundreds, mm -hmm. you're one of hundreds, and then of those hundreds, how many are still vital and can make yeah music and art or still like each other still like each other <laughs> are still healthy yeah right? true. stayed healthy yeah yeah found a way to live a real life yeah yeah that's and, a big part and not of it. become like a shadow of a person that mm -hmm. like a shell of a person that just kind of limps along through life because they 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 couldn't figure out how to be a real person yeah surviving the experience is a huge part of yeah. what you're talking about i think it's um and it's something that doesn't really get talked about in our wider kind of like entertainment culture or our art culture is that um, our line of work has a weirdly high kill rate. Yeah. It like, it kills a lot of people young. The mortality rate is it's, not it's good. It's wild. Yeah. And so if you kind of spot that at an early enough moment, you have the opportunity to, like we were saying earlier, you and I were talking about the very clear kind of like pitfalls there or the minefield whatever you want to call it if you can spot it it's you can learn to navigate it it's hard and you're gonna you know you're gonna step on some mines here and there but if you if you expect it coming um it can keep you humble and it can also help you survive the experience because it is i mean it does have some incredible things to it and some of the opportunities that it affords um and you know the ability to make a living expressing yourself and becoming a, a multifaceted artist that that was always my dream is that i would just be able to express myself i didn't care if we were going to be famous or if we were going to make millions of dollars i was just i was i just knew from a very very young age that i needed to paint and write whatever whatever that looked like and so it was actually kind of surprising once we started finding some success in the music world because I did not grow up 
necessarily dreaming about being singer of a band. I thought I was going to be a painter. Um, but as it turns out, you are a painter as it turns out, but yeah, but to me, writing songs is painting. Yeah. It, they're so similar. They're different in, in very clear ways and, and the results are different, but then a lot of the results are very similar too. It's just a painting is a more tangible, touchable version of the process, you know, like the wider process. Um, I think that's why I love it is because one day I'll have a, a melody swimming around in my head that is sort of unattached to anything and you'll just maybe it's similar for you and you'll just walk through your day kind of humming it you're like oh this is a cool melody yep majors and minors and giving me a certain feeling is that this song no is that a piece of this song maybe mm. and you just kind of let it sit with you and it's sort of in the background and then all of a sudden a phrase will attach itself to it that doesn't really make any sense and then you start to refine it in the back of your head and you're painting essentially is what you're doing when you're actually physically painting and you're putting a brush to a canvas, it's just a more tangible, immediate version of that process, in, in my experience at least. Yeah. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And it, as, a, as, an, as an Incubus fan, it, it's awesome to hear. Because <laughs> uh, your lyrics, they feel to me, they have always felt like poems to me. They've always felt like poetry. It's always felt like someone was sitting there writing like mm. a little bit of an, uh, sometimes less abstract, sometimes more abstract, mm -hmm. but it all felt like metaphorical. It all felt like, but it felt like it started in a, it started in a book of writing. Mm -hmm. And like, if you- Usually does. <laughs> and that's the thing to me is like, God, I would love to like get that book. <laughs> like I'd love to re read through all the book and read the lyric, re read some of the lyrics that never did come out. The, the, yeah. the writings that no one ever got to see that are like probably- brilliant and too hard to shape into a song or whatever Maybe. but like there's something there that i think is like really special and i'll i'll bet you any amount of money that if you release that book one day of old writing mm -hmm. that shit would be that shit would be dope <laughs> or people would be like ah man this is awful. <laughs> they really did pick the good ones <laughs> right? maybe they did just write the good ones no i actually have been um I started a Substack about a, I think it's about a year ago, you know, Substack. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to share kind of my longer form writings and cool. uh, disparate poems and song ideas that never quite made it to the cutting room floor. So, uh, and over the last year or so since it's been out, um, I've shared maybe, I don't know, eight or 10 of those like acoustic demos that I record at home that I had at some point had sent to the guys in the band be like, you know, along with many, many others. And these were the ones that didn't get a response, but there was something in them to me that still struck some kind of emotional chord or intellectual chord. It is important to you. Like, yeah. Know, and I was like, you. it's not garbage. Yeah. Maybe it's not like worth developing into a full song, but it's it kind of like looking into someone's sketchbook. There are certain sketches in a sketchbook that you feel compelled to turn into a larger, more sort of grandiose piece of art. And then there are some that want to live just there and they're cool like that, Yeah, you know? So that's what my Substack has kind of become. And it's- um, How do people like go see it? Where do they go? They just, just go to um, Brandon Boyd on Substack. I think my Substack is called A Wink and a Nod. Like- Yeah, yeah. Uh, and cool. you can, there's like a free tier and then there's just a sub subscriber tier as well. Cool. Where they get the cooler shit. You brought me this game you did called Two Doors. Yeah. 
Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> what, how did this happen? Uh, this was, I, I, like we were saying before, I grew up um, with really, I watched movies because we, mm -hmm. we had a television and we had a VCR, mm -hmm. but we didn't have cable yep. and we had no like um, reception. I grew up in like the hills yeah. outside of Los Angeles. And so spent a lot of time outside, spent a lot of time drawing, writing, but when we were really bored, we played board games. Yeah. This was a, a, a thing of a bygone era. So did we. But it has a place in my heart. Totally. So one of the games I remember, one of the first games I remember was memory games. Yeah, totally. Where you basically you mix Lay up the things, the you turn them over, and you flip one over, and you try and find its match. So I did this series of paintings called Portals a handful of years ago, and there were a bunch of them. I did them on like uh, four by four or six by six pieces of paper. And I made duplicates of all of them. And then I found synonyms for doors mm -hmm. across just all of them. And there's a bunch of great, beautiful words that are synonyms for doors. And then so it's a memory game. So you're looking for the match and they're all based on the paintings and then they have the synonyms for the doors. So you're looking for two doors. It's awesome, dude. It looks cool, right? It, it feels looks, good to I hold mean, in your hand. I mean, even just the packaging and, and the yeah. way it looks is cool. Yeah, it's fun. And then the other thing is just a regular ass jigsaw puzzle. puzzle based on a painting I did a few years back. Based on one of your paintings, which is amazing. Th this kind of stuff, though, is like my favorite stuff. I love this stuff too, man. Like making toys yeah. is essentially yeah. what we're always doing. We're writing songs, drawing pictures, yeah. making toys. But so many of them are intangible. So I have this thing where I like to still hold something. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're just careening into the future of this. Nobody touches anything. We don't connect with each other in real time. Everything's digital, digital, digital. It all lives in the cloud, you know? It's more fun to play with things. Sometimes you got to put your hands on yeah. on stuff and like collect all things. all my stuff here. I can see, you know, you get the little yeah. Little trinkets along the way that have yeah. little personal stories or meanings or, or you just like them. Yeah, but, and they remind you of a moment in your life when you went and got them and- Yeah, um, take you back to a yeah. happy place. Isn't it wild how far like skateboard culture has come? Surf culture as well, but skateboard culture was always more kind of like, uh, like the hoodlums skateboarding. It's the hoodlums and the, it's <laughs> yeah. the it's the rabble rousers and the troublemakers. Or as as they they're treated that way, anyways. It used to be illegal to skateboard in illegal. most places. Yeah, illegal. and we would get chased by security and cops and stuff, and that was sort of part of the fun in the late eighties. Yeah. Like you start getting chased on foot by security, but you had this thing that let you like glide across concrete. So it was like kind of exciting. Yeah, you could get away. <laughs> Try and catch me. Half the time, <laughs> right. you know? Um, and, but I like the story because you have this thing that is dismissed for so long. Mm. And the the world at large that, that decides what's valuable. Mm -hmm. And it's usually the most square, mm. not creative, right. lame people who have decided what is acceptable, what's not, right. what's valuable, what's not. Yep. And you have this company started with skateboarders in mind um, that are promoting and, and nurturing these, these kids that are hanging out at their shops. Yeah. And essentially, um, you know, I know there's a lot more to the Supreme story, but in the, the basic idea is we have this, this idea that everyone agrees is those punk kids over mm -hmm, there in mm -hmm. uh, oh they're printing their t-shirts yeah and um and over time you have this really cool group of people 
starting to engage other cool people. So you see mm -hmm. the collaborations they did. And over time, it, it becomes this brand that, you know, at the peak, they sell the brand for, I think, like $2 billion. And wow, think about that. That's wild. So they created this value in the world, mm -hmm. all while being told it's not valuable right. or, you know, we're going to arrest you if you skate out here on the street. Mm -hmm. all, all the things that came with it. Yeah. Shifts to you have people investing, serious people in the world that are that otherwise wouldn't be a, wouldn't be feel comfortable walking in the store 20 years ago. Right. Um now um they're lining up just, to get into the store. Yeah, and and now <laughs> people are making whole careers on re resell reselling. Yep. Um so the the um now think about the ancillary market around that yeah. culture and the brand a culture that brand kind of sat in the middle of along with some other brands, mm -hmm. right? And I'm sure a lot of streetwear purists and people could come and argue this and that with me and I would be, be open to, but but the idea that this brand that was a a, a cultural uh, movement mm -hmm. in the end, what that was born out of to where it got to me is the aspirational story of what you can do mm -hmm. when everyone looks looks at you and goes, yeah, you're not worth anything. Mm. And the thing, those little hobbies that you're into, yeah. Forget about it. Watch out for those kids. The ones what? that are into the things that Watch are out. so disregarded. It was the same thing with surfers too. Yeah. Um, and these are, I love looking at skating because I grew up obsessed with surfing and skating. Surfing was kind of first for me. Right. I was. Because um, you're like a jump and a skip to Malibu from where you grew up. Yeah. So yeah. There was a beach bus that actually a ride would, would come and pick us up and drop us off. That's and, cool. Um, yeah. It was super, super cool that the town provided that for us um but yeah skating surfing they're, they're these beautiful adaptations creative adaptations to environments so with like skating the people that, that get the best at it come from these like deeply like urban jungle type environments and to look at them it looks like it's just concrete everywhere billboards you know there's no nature around you and this sort of like pervasive human creativity broke through in young people where it was like i'm gonna dance on that shit i'm gonna do flips and stuff with this piece of wood all yep. over this environment you created and you're gonna tell me not to for a long time and then it's gonna become a multi-billion dollar industry at some point nobody would have known it was gonna happen obviously but watching its trajectory which has been swift by the way like we were saying like when we were kids they were chasing us out of parking garages for skating yeah now there's skate parks everywhere Yep. You know, and it's producing incredible skaters and and professional athletes and I professional mean, athletes. That's yeah, aspirational goal for people who get into skating is maybe I could become a pro. Yeah, and that's like it's a real future. There, there are people. There are parents who invest thousands and thousands of dollars into their kids becoming yeah. better skaters. Yeah, because there's an actual end game. Yeah. if you become a pro. Yeah, and that's so a real true. thing. We think about like. That is what I get so excited about is like that same idea that that kid could start writing songs in his bedroom, mm -hmm. that band could start in their basement or their garage. And now, you know, you have kids that can create magic on their laptop <laughs> and there may be more traffic as far as what we're up against getting people's attention. Yeah. But there's going to be genius that comes out every once in a while. There's going to be an artist that you cannot stop their creativity. That's the stuff that really excites me about, um, music in particular is that the um 
the entry level has has gotten so it's been so democratized yeah you know where we have now on our laptops a better studio that existed in the state-of-the-art studio 20 years ago and you have just right on your laptop um i don't love most of the music that's being made that way now but i yeah, know it's, it's just fine. it's just a matter of time before people they hit pay dirt you know what i mean and something incredible happens that we could never have anticipated coming i i i feel the same way i don't love a bunch of it yeah i'm waiting for like the punk version yeah. of digital music and it has little little things happen or like the hardcore version where you're like what's this you know what i mean yeah it's the first time i heard refused i was like yeah what the f who are these swedish dudes wearing suits and more what are they so angry about i love it you know? <laughs> and it's and they created a classic timeless piece of uh yeah. music history yeah it's true it's, it's pretty cool highly imitated as well yeah over and over again yeah and we've done our best to steal from them from time to time <laughs> but i think that'll come they'll like they'll absolutely be some genius artists who make some art digitally yeah. and we're all just blown away at how they did it and, and maybe it already it. exists now and it's just the nature of the digital culture that is makes it harder to find because we're so used to just kind of swiping through things and if something doesn't immediately catch our attention we miss it yeah or harder to tell what's original yeah because um, the minute someone puts out a piece of digital art it's someone screenshots it takes it recreates it mm -hmm. puts a filter on it and it's 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 really hard to like yeah create something that's seen as original when within when something pops mm. even just in a little way and a yeah. small group of people attach onto it yeah a, m a bunch of people take it it's easy to steal i mean it's, they start recreating it it's kind of the the norm for yeah. it to just get sort of repurposed and recreated and that's why some people say it's better now there are actually i believe there's 100 percent absolutely uh aspects of like releasing music today that make everything easier yeah but i think it's harder now to break through to break through yeah and to create something original and actually get credit for it mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. um and, and the new conversation will be uh, a different kind of argument over like if that's the real authentic article mm. we used to all of us as bands in the 90s we all used to get criticized for you're you sound like them or you sound like them. like that was normal yeah every band went through that yeah um but it was still a simpler argument right than what now i think you have people like tracking the digital life of something and like mm. figuring out like where did this actually where was this born but originality will will break through yeah it, as it always does there'll be things that that come through that confound people yeah you know and that's what that's what's so exciting about the the genre of just music in general or art is there always be there'll be periods of stagnation and then there'll be something that just blows everybody away and they struggle to understand it yeah and then it gets figured out and then it's over and then you know, <laughs> that artist has to go through that whole process um but one of the cool things about incubus to me is where you come from and then where you're at mm the legacy it's just going to be very hard for bands to create mm. the, these kinds of legacies and the, and i think some will i think it'll be fewer and far between but i think that yeah. some will and there are certainly like really great rock bands that that are in the last five to ten years and mm -hmm. even in the last two to three years yeah 
great rock bands that'll continue to come and make great music. Yeah. Um, but there's something about, to me, the the rock in the '90s. It's gonna be, I think, appreciated for the for the rest of time. I agree with you. I probably like every couple of years I go back to um, some of the albums that made me want to write music, maybe mm -hmm. want to be in a band. And I think I check in with them for any number of reasons. Like I'll, maybe I'll hear one of the songs on the radio. I'm like, I gotta go check that record out. Part of me is trying to figure out if I'll still feel the same way about it mm -hmm. or if it like still you know holds water for me. Still hits like it used still to. Does. And so many of these sort of seminal records, um, and I'll go through some of them, um, if you don't mind. Uh, I would love to hear they the still They still kind of fuck me up in the best way. Um, Which records are they? So I turned 15 in 1991, is when we started our band. Mm. And um, that year I got Nirvana, Nevermind. Yeah. I got uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. Yep. Um, I think Bad Motorfinger by Soundgarden came out 91 and soon thereafter was super unknown. And I also got Alice in Chains Dirt, I think that I same love, year. I love Alice in Chains, dude. Same. I fucking Incredible. <laughs> there are, but I could just stop there. I, I, I won't stop there. I mean, you just keep going. But then, that year was pretty it was heavy in like records. Yeah. But then the, the, just a couple of years after that, then you had like, you know, I discovered PJ Harvey. And then in the later 90s, I discovered Jeff Buckley. And then amongst that period of time, I discovered Faith No More and Mr. Bungle. And then did I mention Bjork? You didn't mention Bjork, but I love Bjork. Yeah, like there was just, and all of it was, it was, there was some rock, there was some electronic, there was some sort of indie, there was some punk, there was some hardcore, and we were open to all of it. And we wanted all of it. We we're just hungry for all this stuff, as I'm sure any 15 year old would be. But there's something about that grouping of bands that was so impactful to, I'll, I can just speak for myself. I know the guys in our band share in a lot of those opinions, but we were lucky enough to grow up in LA where these bands were coming through regularly. And I, I got to see Nirvana. I got to see- That's crazy. Pearl Jam. Where did you see Nirvana? I saw Nirvana with the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Pearl Jam at the Forum. Wow. I think I had the very, very top nosebleed seat. So all the guys were like this big, but it was still amazing. Still, I think still one of the best like bigger venues you can see a band at is mm -hmm. the Forum. I think yeah. I think it just sounds good. Yeah, it's great, and especially now yeah. since they redid it. Yeah, since they redid it for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's much better. But yeah, um, one in particular that I go back to, one album I go back to probably the most from that period of time is Super Unknown by Soundgarden. Um, I, the whole record from front to back just destroys me. Like it, it simultaneously makes me want to quit and keep trying. You know, Chris was a, a something. He was like an alien. I mean, he, it, and know? when you think about the elements that make a great band, right? So mm -hmm. you have the musicians. Mm -hmm. So the guitar work. Yeah. And then the voice. Yeah. And then you get to the melody and the lyrics. Yeah. When you listen to Soundgarden and then think about like the time that those bands were making those records, they mm -hmm. were just writing songs and recording them. Yeah, there wasn't a committee like with. They were the, just a band. The songwriters coming in to get the chorus right or whatever. Uh -uh. No, it was just it was dudes just in a room, guys in a room. Mm -hmm. Pearl Jam. Yep. Nirvana. Yep. I, and Alice in Chains, man. Alice in Chains, for whatever reason, maybe it was the time when I discovered that, like rock music or whatever. 
and they were on the radio mm-hmm. and all the songs on the radio but that band like i listened i have a playlist of all those bands really you guys are on it oh nice. so it's my it's my like <laughs> rock. it's like my rock playlist yeah um, I listen to it every day. Oh, that's so awesome, I listen man. to your band every day. No way. Yeah. Um, that's so rad, man. Thank you. And I think it's probably like, it's a growing playlist that I keep adding songs mm-hmm. to as I for, remember. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever get into Jeff Buckley's stuff? Love Jeff Buckley. Yeah. He was incredible, man. Um, did you ever get into Shudder to Think? Yes. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't become a huge fan, but, uh, but the stuff that everyone knew, I knew. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they were a sleeper band for me. Like I first heard them and it, I didn't really understand it. And then um, I saw a side project they had called, I think it was called Mind Science of Mind, if I'm not mm. mistaken. And Buckley was playing bass. And it was the only time, and he wasn't singing. It was the only yeah. time I ever saw him on stage um, in person. And then, you know, he died so young and so soon. It's crazy. So it was, it was really was sad, but he was a... a incredible talent i go back to his record grace quite a lot too yeah i still really enjoy it that's the one that i that i had that yeah. I listened to. uh letters to my sweetheart the drunk was the posthumous double record that came out remember the lemon heads oh yeah evan they were dando. cool too i love them yeah what's his name evan dando, evan dando yeah. yeah yeah there was so much good music in that period of time and so many compelling personalities and it was a wild time yeah when you think about it yeah. I actually saw something the other day and it was like, never mind, dirt, that Soundgarden record. Was it cassette pictures of cassettes? And they were all within like 30 I, days of each other. Yeah, that that's they what were I'm released. talking about. I was 15 when all those records came out. Crazy. I got most of those records in one sitting. I took all my chore money. And Smashing all Pumpkins. Yeah. Love Smashing Dude. Pumpkins. Yeah. Those records, I, I, but it was the 90s man like like there was so much good mm-hmm. musical nutrition yeah doesn't it make you wonder like what about what was what was in the water that made it so there was so much it was such a rich period of time creatively that doesn't always happen no you know? yeah. a lot of people moved to seattle during that period of time because there was like what's going on up there we want to be a part of this even like um I had friends that had bands down here when we were teenagers and they like packed up their shit and moved to Seattle. <laughs> that was going to be the the secret ingredient, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a movement, a cultural movement. And I think it was deeper than just, I think the music was the soundtrack, but I think that it was a, I think it was actually like a time. It was like a, it had to be some kind of like time in humanity of some kind mm. where like, we were on the cusp of like the, 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 we were, everyone was kind of pushing to the new age. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's when, you know, if you think about when the digital age started in the 2000s, mm-hmm. it was being created then. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be. Yeah. So it was like a cultural movement to push the envelope and the boundaries of like what we accept, mm-hmm. how we do things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably, to me, it was probably also culturally like the first decade where we were challenging what people would accept as the norm or okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think music was reflecting like that anger, frustration with the with the past. Mm. There was also a, a optimism for the future or something. Sure, there is a, a healthy skepticism for establishment in that period of time. I think every generation has its version of that. 
where like what kind of world do i want my kids to be, be able to participate in because mm. i want my daughter to be able to grow up in a world where she can be herself mm -hmm. make decisions she feels like she needs to make right do have the experiences at any given time that she has to go through mm. and be able to exist in the world as herself and not uh be shamed mm. controlled uh uh caged uh this is a really interesting point actually and it actually takes me back to what we were talking about earlier with um growing up having the the courage to express yourself um if there's anything i don't have children yet i hope to at some point but like i'm sure this has been high on your list of wants for your kids in the world you probably want them to be free to make mistakes make mistakes and then also be able to look at your parents as people that are just like you yeah we were kids we grew up yeah we stumbled into adulthood did some stupid shit did tons cool of stupid shit, shit yeah. some cool shit some yeah. of this some of that and like i could go back and and try to explain mm -hmm. where i was at at the time mm -hmm. um some of it i probably could some of it i probably can't right um um in your case they could like open a magazine and be like yeah explain this explain this what what you said there what you <laughs> right. said there and you can try but yeah. you're not going to satisfy everybody's need to like prove you wrong about it yeah and you have to accept that mm. and and then you also have like as a, as artists and entertainers where people have at least they've documented their idea of what you were doing because mm -hmm. a lot of that's also like off it's yeah. just like 20 degrees off yeah and they didn't get it right but it became the headline or the narrative like mm -hmm. that's the other thing about entertainment um Especially is growing up you, yeah you go to your wiki you go to your wikipedia page and it's just the headlines of like mm. the articles that were uh kind of officiated as completely true yeah um and it's all just like versions of something mm -hmm. um you want your kid to kind of you you don't want them to to uh, not respect you or but you also want them to know like I, i'm just like you i mm -hmm. had to like grow up yep. figure it out got some stuff right got some stuff wrong yeah learned a whole bunch the um, term that comes to mind is uh freedom to fail yeah there's something so uh beautiful in failure and there's not enough of a, um an importance placed on it we're all it seems as if we're all doing our best to not fail and it's not as if we aim to fail but failure is kind of the norm successes mm. are extremely rare especially in a world that's as competitive you could just choose one line of work music yep most of everything we do fails most of it's a failure by any metric by metrics yeah by those yeah um but every once in a while as a result of all of those failures something breaks through the cracks yep. and sees the light of day. And it's a miracle that it does because of those same metrics. It's like, you're looking at how many people are trying at the same time you are. And so if one thing breaks through, it's insane. It, it like doesn't happen. And so what gets focused on is the shiny object of the, you know, the little green thing popping through the concrete. But what we're not looking at is that what it went through how many times it tried and failed and tried and failed in our case it's like we're writing like multiple albums yeah over the span of of a quarter of a lifetime um that's mostly failures right yeah, it's all the turtles that didn't get off the beach exactly they yeah died. but we keep trying and you keep trying and, and so i think inherent in that is it's it's very apparent that it's the desire merely to make art make music 
that's the strongest thing. And to connect with each other. And to connect, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the freedom to, to fail and to trip and stumble, I think that these are some things that are kind of being lost in our culture because yeah, we, kids we are don't. so afraid to even, they're so afraid to fail that they're, they don't even wanna try. Because you know I mean? that's the thing is like, we, you can't fail anymore because if you show failure, it gets memorialized and it, it starts trending. Yeah. And your failures are failure trends. now <laughs> as big as any success you could have. Yeah. And a failure could become your legacy. Yeah. And, um, and it's just not realistic. It's not reality. It's yeah. not how life works. Yeah. Um, but it is the reality, the perceived reality we live in is that most people are spending a certain percentage of their day, whether it's 10% or 50% mm. in the phone mm. on one of a dozen platforms, right? Um, connecting with people. I think that's why they're doing it. But Heavy they're quote, connecting, participating in this kind of <laughs> false reality yeah. of like a highlight reel. Of, mm. um, and I'm always kind of, uh, the older I get, the more careful I am about posting something personal mm -hmm. and something that looks perfect. Yeah. Because it's just not. It's so true. I'm like, uh, me and Nicole have been together for 17 years. We were talking about it. That's 17 years of trying and, and failing in some places. Sure. But like- But how uh, necessary were those failures? Big time. And how much did they teach you? And we're better today. Yeah. But 10 years ago, we were not in the same position. Okay, what's the secret of marriage? There's no secret to marriage. Mm. It's just try until you can't anymore. Right. And just keep going down the road. And yeah. that's why we also like, and I've said this before here, I don't ever judge anyone- on their failures mm. in, in what they would maybe, what people would perceive as a failed marriage. It might not be a failed marriage. It might be some information they got out of that yeah. where they could actually go and be happy. Yeah. And I always, I always really like respect and admire the people that can um, consciously break up mm. and do it gracefully in a world that doesn't want that everybody wants a fight everybody right. wants like they want to watch the yeah. exciting entertain entertaining uh, messy fight yeah. and it's almost like we all get drunk on it mm. and then we wake up the next day and hope no one remembers what we were the the, the shit we were throwing at at them and we yeah. move on to the next yeah uh, train wreck of someone else's pain and yeah. misery that's something that alarms me about where the digital culture is has been going is the it's sort of showing a strong masochistic streak yeah. in in amongst our culture and it's frightening it's not a it, it's it's one thing to it's you dangerous know, yeah it really is it's one thing to be like did you see this thing where this person failed so hard ha 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 and then when you start to realize that those are the things that are the most popular it's like ooh, yoy, yoy, we're learning something about ourselves that isn't necessarily good and it might it's dark a little bit of deeper <laughs> reflection it's it's you know? dark it, it it's really dark but and like real people's lives can get ruined so you have people they that do really do time. kill themselves yeah you have people that really do lose their jobs you have mm -hmm. and and then like i said sometimes there's some justice sometimes mm -hmm. there is someone who 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 needed who to be taken down needed to yeah. be removed from that position yeah those cases are i think fewer in in between all of the 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 crazy uh crazy shit i do think though that like i really believe that like at the core people are good most people are good yeah and given the opportunity to do something good they will mm -hmm. and so i i mean that's what i have to believe to to like yeah to at least participate a little bit because i mean this 
doing this, I'm participating in the digital culture. Yeah. You know? It's not as if there aren't incredible um, things that can happen as a result of the new tech. I think that this new technology, it, in particular, this forum, like sort of the, the podcast forum, has incredible potential um, as a sort of decentralizing mechanism. Yep. You know, the um, media was so top down for forever, just yep. until recently, just until, you know, less than 10 years ago. And then all of a sudden this new tech comes up where it decentralizes it to a point where it it rattled the, the tree and it shook off all the dead leaves. And there were a lot of dead leaves that kind of neat stuff needed to come down and needed to be shaken up. I think we're still probably in a period of overcorrection where there's a lot of um, a lot of people saying things on successful platforms like this that are confusing a lot of people too. Yeah. But it's going to be, you know, with every correction, there comes overcorrection. And yeah. so this is the way we work. You know, it's like this, we have to run the gamut all the way, knock shit over on this side, and then we correct for it and knock shit over over here. And we'll find some kind of equitable middle of some kind. I, 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 I agree with that. I think but it's going to take some time. Authenticity and, and um, originality and things that are compelling always kind of break through. What do you find yourself normally like talking about on this podcast? We've kind of, we've run a bit of a spectrum here, but yeah. Is uh, it all over the place or is it, is it music centric, art centric? It, it, it always starts in music or, or art. I really like think we talked about therapy. I think that I learned how to have conversations that I got a lot out of. Mm -hmm. And I think that I started to carry that out in my life in a real way where I don't feel like I really waste any conversation mm. with anyone. That's wonderful. I found myself surrounded by artists and having these conversations in studios, and it could be about music, mm -hmm. but generally always comes down to people sharing insights or tools mm -hmm. that they discovered mm -hmm. that have helped them. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there's the people that listen to this show uh, I find it to be like a group and a, a growing large group of people that are looking for more insight into how they can evolve mm. and, and, and improve their own life. And, um, yeah. and so it, 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 some of it's a little philosophical sometimes. Um, but I really do think it's like, actually the reality of our life is the real life we're living. Mm -hmm. And those decisions we make actually have an impact Mm -hmm. on our future yeah and if we can start to introduce ideas that are better than the ones we held yeah we can have we can evolve yeah and i didn't really believe in that before mm. i discovered it i mm -hmm. wasn't aware of it i wasn't aware of myself mm -hmm. i wasn't aware that i could change um i thought that i would have you know coming from you know essentially like coming from poverty which i think was the biggest had the biggest effect on me mm -hmm. um and having you know things in my family like addiction and all different kinds of kind of uh, uh, the abuse spectrum mm -hmm. uh neglect things like that you jump out into the world and you carry all this baggage with you and you don't realize you can kind of unpack it make mm. sense of it and mm -hmm. leave it yep and that was the work i did probably in my 30s was really just like learning about that yeah and then wanting to share that with people i could see hadn't discovered they could do that as well mm -hmm. and not everybody has access to 
therapy and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's easier today than probably it's ever been because there's apps and stuff that can really be helpful. Yeah, there's also been uh, a huge kind of demystifying of the therapeutic process and it's you know being televised there are really popular shows on network tv exactly whether it's dr phil or um someone like tony robbins it's like there a lot of people are interested in improving their quality of life do you find that the stuff that you learned you were saying like in your 30s um found its way in some way shape or form into your songwriting everything okay so that's the place where in my opinion, uh, art is impactful. And I think that artists, if we have a cultural function of some kind, I like to think of artists as um, translators. Yep. Because we have something that's sort of inert in us that is hell-bent on making sense of our experience here. And everyone's trying to make sense of their experience to a degree, but the... Um, the mediums we choose as artists are sense-making apparatuses. And we are doing our best to make sense of our own, the chaos in our own lives. And sometimes there are ideas that break through poetically, whether it's our use of metaphors or our storytelling, or even the melodies we choose um, that can be incredibly helpful and insightful to somebody listening to them. And I'm saying that based on what I have been able to glean from my experience with music um, in listening to it, and then having the experience of writing songs um, with our band Incubus has been such a fascinating tool. It's a sense-making apparatus, ultimately. Yeah. I am doing my best to make sense of my time here and the things that I've experienced, the things I experience, and then pushing forward the things I hope to experience. And it's all coming out in the medium of music and art and I hope, like in my in my heart of hearts, that it has like the tiniest resemblance to the experience I had with music growing up, because I made sense of my young chaotic life through music and through art. Did that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I'll <laughs> tell you from my you know my view, because um, I can only share with you like what I've like watching you guys from the beginning. And our our guitar player in our band, Billy, yeah. uh, is like. A, the biggest thank you fan really? of all time oh like like a like a uh whatever your whatever fan club or anything you guys he's a member i'm sure of it but from my perspective you guys you guys did that you've always done that and it's very rare that you see a band and then coming through being a fan like a real fan mm -hmm. um then wanting to be like my uh, my idols mm -hmm. and starting a band and then having success doing that mm -hmm. and then getting on the other side of it and being like a, a a functional productive person in the world that goes out and lives his life and is raising kids and yeah trying to work and do businesses and things like that this is a function of life right like yeah. finding a way to make a living and and be here i i've gotten like a weird view of all these different sides mm -hmm. and you guys are one band that's just like in coming from a time where that was really hard to achieve this in my opinion because as great as i say the legacy of rock and roll that was born in the 90s mm -hmm. um it's this like we said those records that all came out in the span of a month in 91 mm. think about the decade of music that came out and it's just well you can't it'll blow your mind if yeah. you stacked all those records up yeah it was a magical time you guys were part of that on the other side of that, if you weren't dead, addicted to drugs, a mess, mm -hmm. 
how did you become this grounded group of productive members of society, <laughs> right? And still can make art right. and still can go out and do the biggest shows. You know, Incubus touring must be, from my perspective, it's bigger than it's ever been, even though you may not tour as much. Mm. The shows are huge. To be able to like function as a band still, mm -hmm. all still like each other. Right, we love each other actually. We Which is a, incredible. We have a phenomenal time still. So think about that. How yeah. do you, to be able to achieve that kind of balance and mm. still have your, and still be able to walk around in the world every day and have mm. a real life that functions. Mm. Like, again, like I, I think there's, it's something like uh, they say dysfunctional family, most families, and then there's functional families, right? Mm. And a band can be a dysfunctional family or a functional family. Mm -hmm. Relationships can be dysfunctional or functional. Right. And I think like how, how did this group of guys continue to function and be so grounded and mm -hmm. still do prolific shows, make prolific art, make prolific paintings, and, but also be in the world and not float around? Mm. That's an achievement. I think I probably the greatest it. achievement in my I, opinion. I really appreciate those words, man. It's, um, and my appreciation for them is, uh, I could just stop at like, that's so nice of you, thank you. But I also know, because I've been there the whole time through it with this band, I know everything that we've gone through. We've gone through all of the same stories that every band has gone through. Yeah. There's really only like five stories in rock and roll. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, any one of them can take a band down. Yeah, take you out. Whether it's um, drugs and addiction or- um, Jealousy. Jealousy. Ego. Ego, all of these things. Um, we've had all of them, every single one of them, but we have, um, th there's probably a number of factors that are not available to me in a conscious way that, they could be the deciding things that I'm just I'm not aware of at this point in my life. But what I am able to observe is that we have um, a pervasive love and respect for each other, which I mm. think probably goes a really long way. I think that we are um, appreciative at a base level, and then uh, on the best day, kind of in awe of each other's individual abilities, what yeah. each person brings to the table. Like I'm in awe of Michael's talent as a musician. When he, what was simple for him since we were children, I'm just like, how the fuck do you do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and then, so each person brings something so unique. And I think each of us maybe through time spent has learned a greater and greater appreciation for it. And I think at this point too, having been a band for 32 years, it, uh, can't be overstated enough that we've come to a point where it's like, this is a really cool job. If you, yeah. can, if you can survive the, uh, the dangers of it yeah. and the chaos of it, it's super cool to go out and sing at the top of your lungs and people keep showing up and they are singing as loudly as they know how to back at you. So it's this wild like feedback loop that's happening that's just gorgeous and well, fulfilling, you know what I mean? I mean, you guys are playing the Hollywood Bowl. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like pinnacle. It really is. Greatness. Yeah, Hollywood Bowl is kind of like the venue. 
Yeah, when you think about, first of all, like amazing place to see and hear music. Yeah. Something about it is magical. Yeah. It's the open air and the, you know. Knowing that somewhere like a mountain lion is hearing you and going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and coyotes are out there singing along with you. But to accomplish that, and not to say you guys haven't already accomplished those pinnacles, but mm -hmm. to accomplish that now, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's again and again, but to do to do it now, I just look at that and I'm fucking blown away at that whole idea that like 32 years into your your life as a band, mm -hmm. you're having this uh, pinnacle moment. What I would say is like uh, those pictures live forever. That mm -hmm. that lives forever. Right. That that picture of the band on stage at the Hollywood Bowl is is is, is it's iconic. You you see that and you know exactly where that is. Yeah. You see that band and and it's just big and magical feeling. Yeah. But to achieve that at, at, at 32 years in versus, you know, 10 years in, 15 years in, mm -hmm. maybe there's an, maybe you can taste it a little bit more mm -hmm. because you get the ability to slow the game down enough to actually enjoy it while you're there. That's a really good point. Um, I remember the first time we played at the bowl, it was, <laughs> it was overwhelming the first time. being backstage and like seeing the pictures of the Beatles and, you know, like, it's just the backstage is small. Yeah, it's an old venue, but they have these gorgeous black and white photos of the other bands that have been there. It's iconic. And then I remember, like every person that I'd ever met, including my family and cousins I never knew I had, they all came to the show, and the backstage was just like so intense. And I was so nervous until we walked out on stage. And then when we were out there, as I'm sure you know, once you're there, doing it, and you're in the moment, you're not nervous anymore. It's the the lead up. Yeah. Uh, that's where all the scariness and the pressure is. Um, but now like we've learned enough, we've been, we've played enough shows, I think, to understand where the nerves are gonna be when they come up, how to kind of like- um, you, you can ride it. Yeah, you ride it. How to mitigate some of the chaos of, you know, your, your family and your friends all wanna come and you want them to be there, um, but there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite part about it at this point is getting my parents backstage parking. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's oh, the dad, little things. You park right here. It's the little and things. And you just get to walk in yeah. and watch from the stage if you want to. You know, those little things make it super, super fun. Cause I can see sometimes I see my parents in the audience and they're doing this. Yeah. And they're watching a little bit, but they're kind of they're more like turning around and looking at the, you know, twenty thousand people behind them. And that's a trip. Well, they're going to enjoy the details of it probably more than you will. Yeah. But but it, but it is like important that someone does. Right. And <laughs> and I think like it's not the first time you played for twenty thousand people. Right. It's not about that. Right. It's there's something iconic about that. Not everyone is invited to do that. It's mm. th 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 that venue doesn't just book anyone. Right. And certainly there are people right now that could sell 20,000 tickets that aren't necessarily right for the bowl, mm. but there's something iconic about it yeah. that I think is like, I don't know that you guys are zooming out and thinking this is iconic until someone like says it to you. Right. And you're like, oh yeah, that it is needs to be reflected iconic. back to us through, yeah. through a loved one for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that that's just interesting. It's and, and just incredible to be doing that now. Hmm. It's really, it's special for us too, because we grew up going to shows there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I saw, I've seen so many shows there. I, one of my favorite ones was um, Dead Can Dance. 
I saw them in like the early 2000s, which was late for them because they've been around since I think like 1980 or something like that. Um, but I had really good seats and I was sitting in the front and I remember, have you ever gone to a show and just like started kind of tearing up Yeah, for no particular reason other than it was just hitting all the right moments in special. you? Yeah, it happens to me more than I actually care to admit, but Dead Can Dance at the Bowl, um, it was like 10 minutes into the show and I was just like, <laughs> I just it's, started crying. It's pretty great. It's so cool. Man. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, but do you think growing up in nature and then like a what sounds like a more art friendly, artistic, mm-hmm. a lot of people would say probably like a hippie way, right? Um, for our idea of it. Yeah. Um, do you think that gave you like a foundation of like of Zen or something that like allows you to go through this wild mm. business of I think maybe I we my brothers and I were what I call free range kids we um not having television reception and no cable made it so the television wasn't um uh, it, it didn't distract us we liked watching movies and we watched movies almost every night but they were we watched movies there were no commercials yeah um I didn't grow up with MTV I watched MTV I started watching MTV once they started playing our band on MTV that's yeah. when I started like watching MTV and I was watching to see if they would play our band on MTV yeah and then they started doing it which was kind of fun but um we didn't have cable either really yeah see I think it was I, I think it's better and we had we were always playing games and like making games up and you were probably getting in trouble more but you were probably also you're definitely more creative and you started solidifying uh a more sort of core identity about around who you were and what you wanted to do or at least point towards as a result of not having those kind of like earthly distractions a hundred percent i think that the core of like also like all the businesses we do today me and my brothers do them together Mm -hmm. and growing up we always imagined things together played made up games together yeah same and had to entertain each other yeah and we did like watching we had a beta or a vhs yeah. One or the other. Betamax was one format and VHS was the other. Right. So I Beta think was the Beta. small ones. Yeah. Yeah. And um and then you had like five channels, like the the five channels, whatever. Network. Yeah, network. Yeah. ABC, NBC, whatever. We were outside all the time. We lived yeah. in the woods. Where did you grow up? Maryland. Oh, right. Okay. Down in the sticks. Yeah. So we were like always outside playing, making yeah. games. And I really do think that like then we went into our adolescence wanted to be like everyone else, started trying to figure out, were we athletes? No. Mm-hmm. Were we skateboarders? Not really. Right. Tried, but and that was cool. And then we found music, mm-hmm. and then it re-engaged our imagination, I think, that we right. had really exercised as kids. I, I actually do think there's something to what you're saying. Like, there's a muscle, mm-hmm. your imagination, your creative muscle, that if you're allowed to, as a kid, run wild, mm-hmm you try all this stuff and you entertain yourself and you learn how to create stories. Yeah. You learn how to make games. You learn mm-hmm. how to like build worlds mm-hmm. um, and no one's telling you not to. Right. And then you hit adolescence and you go to school and you're just trying to fit in because- The social pressures start to creep in. Yeah, yeah. and you, you know, you, you, you're trying to make sense of like, you're growing up and you're starting to like girls and you're this or that, all that stuff starts to happen mm-hmm. and you just want to be like everyone else because you don't want to be an outsider. Right. And so that's the awkward in between. Mm-hmm. And then you, something about you is an outsider because 
the group has probably all been running in the same path mm -hmm. um and creative people tend to be a little bit of outsiders mm -hmm. so then you have to go back to creativity anyways mm -hmm. and that's where we ended up like we were a little bit misfits end up starting a band we find our world again and we start mm -hmm. building it out mm -hmm. and imagining a, a whole world where like this matters yeah and um and then i actually think that the core competency that we have is the ability to imagine something before it exists mm. and then execute it yeah and bring it to life that's that whole creating your own games and building your own worlds thing yeah. which you're so right like when we're kids and we have the opportunity to do that it actually creates life skills yeah um, it does if you don't get eaten <laughs> yeah outside crawling around in the forest yeah you know. my, my dad I'll, I'll never forget he um he was all about letting us be free range and i think to an extent my mom was as well and she had this giant brass bell that she would when she when it was time to come home she would just go kung, 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 kung. she would hit the, the bell and it would echo through the hills and we'd hear it be like oh it's time to go home and but my older brother and i in particular we um my pop gave us a um a good knife that had a snake bite kit in it and a compass that's crazy and he taught us how to treat a rattlesnake bite because that's a real thing in california it actually, it actually can happen yeah. yeah but we learned um really quickly which uh animals did what which ones to avoid which ones we could pick up which ones you know run away from uh, we learned which plants would make you itch and which ones would make you small and which ones would make you tall. I'm kidding about that part, but um, sort of. Uh, which mushrooms are poisonous? Which yeah, ones right. <laughs> don't eat more than a right, just little a bite. nibble of it? Exactly. <laughs> but as a result, like we were, we were like, um, we were literally cutting paths through the Santa Monica mountain. We were just with our sometimes we had a machete and we would be cutting paths through we'd come home and the ritual was we would check each other for ticks we'd pull the ticks off each other and we'd go in and eat dinner around the table and tell our parents about our adventures and you know we found a waterfall and or we you know we went into a cave and there was this crazy spider and darren picked up a snake and my darren's my older brother um and so I, I think back on it, I have very, very fond memories, even though there were moments where we were literally trying to kill each other. It was a little like Lord of the Flies yeah, occasionally. Um, and then sometimes it was like Lord of the Rings, you know, <laughs> it just depends on which day. But I'm so, so thankful to have had a, um, an upbringing that was free range and also uh, wasn't completely dominated by media. Yeah. You know what I mean? It didn't so cloud your mind with like yeah. forced ideas of. Yeah, because so we, we created our own rules. We yeah. created our own games, like you were saying. And what an incredible blessing that was to be able to do. And then weirdly enough, it's like we entered into the larger world. And I was like, oh no, I got my own ideas. You know, I'm not a painter, but I love painting. I love people's paintings and I collect yeah. art. Yeah. Um, and it's always, it's not really, I'm not in the art game. I'm not flipping art. I've never mm -hmm. sold anything. Um, but I've definitely discovered some artists early that are, you know, bigger artists now. Yeah. And that's really gratifying sometimes. But it's just as gratifying to to own a painting of someone because you love it. Yeah. And you get to actually have it in your house. Yeah. And that's a really special thing to me. For um, sure. That print you gave me is like 
I'm a glad treasure. You, I'm glad you like it, man. Ah, uh, dude, I'm so stoked. That was such yeah. a surprise. Um, because I because I like your art. Thank you. Um, is there anyone on Moonlight that just like you just love and I've been uh really fascinated by everyone we've worked with and that Moonlight's relatively new. It, it was um an idea born of the isolation of lockdown. Yeah. And uh it was such a weird period of time because the whole world was going to shit, but people were buying art like crazy. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like the metrics of it don't make sense. The only logic I can find is that people were sitting in their houses or their apartments and looking at blank walls. Like I gotta do something about that finally. So um, it was this thing where I, I wanted to, I'd seen what I had done in my own efforts around art and painting, but then doing um, limited edition print series and showing my work and things. And I knew that there were other artists out there who we knew from, you know, bands and film and stuff like that who were really talented painters. And so I was like, I'm gonna find these people. I wanna talk to these people. I wanna talk to them about their process and, and just kind of get a rapport going. So I've been surprised by everyone. We've done quite a lot of prints over, we're not even two years into it. But one person, you asked for one, I'll give you one, um, Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo. Oh, wow. Crazy artist. Super cool. He is, and he's prolific. He has just, there's no, it looks like there's no end to his creativity, visually, sonically, he he's fascinates me. What about Incubus? You guys gonna make music? Yeah, we're, um, the Hollywood Bowl show, we're gonna do our album Morning View from front to back. Yeah. That's sort of the, the idea around the concert and we're re-releasing Morning View. So we're doing like a re-record of it. Sick. So it's gonna be Morning View 23 years later. Sick. Uh, for any number of reasons, but it's also kind of a fun exercise because we still play most of the songs live, but um, they we've like refined them in certain ways. They're mostly true to form, but there are like, we've we've crafted new endings and things to certain parts of them, which have gone over really well on the live forum. And then after that, we're going to, um, and so this fall and this winter, we're gonna be writing new music. We just signed a new record deal for the first time in a long time with Virgin Records. Awesome. Um, we've been independent band for quite a long time. And so it was time to get some help. Find a partner. <laughs> yeah, find yeah. A, a partner like that. Um, so yeah, we'll just be you know writing music. Um, I'm gonna be showing paintings uh, early next year at a gallery in Dallas called Samuel Lynn Galleries. They've been representing me there in Texas for a long time. Um, working on another book, another art book. Awesome. Stuff, just, you know, making stuff, making little worlds. Making stuff you like. Yeah. Dude, this was great. Yeah, thank Thanks you. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, man. I can't wait to see, I'm gonna be at the Hollywood Bowl show, so. Are you? Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah, thank you, brother. Thanks, dude. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Artist Friendly. If you really liked it, you can follow, like, subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. We appreciate your support, and we'll see you next time. Bad times.